Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 71. Troubling issues in this country have reached critical mass, and Catholic Americans need to follow an American Catholic Founding Fathers example to help save America and our church in America. Can you see yourself making converts? Very few books have ever been written to teach the mechanics of practical Catholic evangelization, something all Catholics are obliged to do. Of the books available, none teach you a step-by-step method for actually cultivating an inquirer, then taking that inquirer all the way to the baptismal font. Until now, nobody is more qualified to teach Catholic evangelization than Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Joe Sixpack has made hundreds of converts since 1988 in small group and one-on-one venues, and 84 of them are his adult godchildren. Consequently, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a virtual treasure trove of how-to resources for evangelization. In the Lay Evangelist's Handbook, Joe Sixpack will show you how to become one of God's rock stars of evangelization, what the two primary obligations are for all Catholics that most people don't know how to begin the journey to becoming a saint, the actual mechanics of productive evangelization, the dangers of nice Catholicism, how to hear God laugh, what to do step-by-step to win over a convert, and much, much more. Get your copy of the Lay Evangelist's Handbook by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Charles Carroll of Carrollton was an early advocate of independence from England and King George and one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. In fact, he was the sole Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence. At the time he signed the Declaration, it was against the law for a Catholic to hold public office or to vote. Although Maryland was founded by and for Catholics, in 1634, 1649, and later in 1689, after severe restrictions were placed on Catholics in England, the laws were changed in Maryland and Catholicism was repressed. Carroll was well-educated in philosophy, and he was a devoted student of John Locke's political philosophy, as all our founding fathers were. More importantly, he was an incredibly devout Catholic who believed his primary responsibility was personal sanctity, and this belief is what drove his patriotism and political philosophy. I could devote an entire episode to this great Catholic American patriot, but for now all I want to do is hold him up as an example for you six-packers who have the good sense to understand that our nation and the Catholic Church are in danger of complete and total collapse. If we're to save both, we must act now. Notice that I said we, not they. Not me. We. Change doesn't occur because of some anonymous they, and change won't happen by depending on the other guy to do what's got to be done. 
Change only happens when we the people boldly take a stand, sometimes with the willingness to risk everything, as our founding fathers did when they wrote, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. All of what I've thus far said actually begs the question, what crucial problems do we face right now? Let's begin with the church in America. Catholics in Illinois balk at Governor Pritzner's announcement that bans gatherings of more than 50 people for as long as a year. According to Andrew Hansen, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Springfield, the church has certainly done her part in making great sacrifices to slow the spread of the virus. That said, the church must return to her normal life of liturgy and communal worship. This is what Bishop Paprocki gets for bending his knee to incompetent public authority in the first place. When this national lockdown began, even our best bishops, such as Bishop Paprocki, showed us they have absolutely no backbone. Of course, you can't stand at all without a backbone. So they quite naturally didn't stand to defy civil authorities when they ordered bishops to stop the Mass. We're supposed to be people of faith, faith in God. Our bishops are responsible for shepherding our souls in our holy and ancient faith. Instead, they shepherded us in becoming the cowards that they are. But Joe, they did the responsible thing by halting mass for our safety. No, they didn't. They did the cowardly, faithless thing, not the responsible thing. Was it responsible for Noah to forsake making a living to build his ark for a flood nobody thought would come? Was it responsible for Abraham to try to sacrifice Isaac because he heard God's voice telling him to? Was it responsible for Moses to stand alone and defy Pharaoh? Was it responsible for Joseph to march the Israelites around Jericho seven times because God told him that's how he'd defeat the city? The very same God who was present to aid Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Joshua is actually physically present in the Mass to aid us. We didn't need a prohibition of Mass, but rather an increase of Masses. And in order to do that, the bishops, priests, and even we the people should have been willing to suffer the consequences for disobeying overreaching tyrannical civil authorities. Suffering for our faith isn't an option. It's a requirement of Catholicism. That's why we have the sacrament of confirmation. Folks, the Constitution doesn't grant us the right to freely practice our religion. Not at all. God's already given us that right. The Constitution merely guarantees that the federal government will protect that right. Unfortunately, petty and godless politicians on the city and state levels across the country suppress that right, and our bishops obediently played along with them rather than obey God. Even worse, in my opinion, was the willingness of cowardly snowflake American Catholics who think the bishops did the right thing. By suppressing the Mass, our bishops not only caved into civil authorities and took our God-given right, but they showed every Catholic layperson in the world that they have more faith in human civil authorities than they do God. 
Every single bishop in America should do public penance for this faithless sin against God and his people. Of course, they won't. They'll just make excuses for being gutless wonders in order to salve troubled consciences. Of course, the bishops never would have done what they've done without the politicians, spineless jellyfishes that they are. Our masters in elected political office told them what to do, and they genuflected in humble obedience. Specifically, the most guilty of the politicians were governors of some states and the mayors of some cities. Quarantine is an ancient and accepted practice in all societies. But quarantines are intended to segregate the ill among us from the healthy society. You don't quarantine the healthy and subsequently destroy society. As I record this episode, there are currently 27 states remaining on lockdown with irrational stay-at-home orders, and 21 of them, 78%, are led by Democratic governors. The remaining six states are ruled over by rhinos. Republicans in name only. These are people who have no respect nor compassion for you and no feeling of obligation to obey the Constitution. The governor of South Dakota, Christy Noem, refused to lock down her state. Instead, she informed her people of the problem, told them the recommendations of the president's coronavirus task force, then trusted her fellow citizens to use common sense and do the right thing. Her fellow citizens so appreciated her response to this media hype crisis that they staged a parade to thank her on April 28th. In my opinion, she's the only governor who gave a 100% correct response, although there were five other states that never did restrict perfectly healthy citizens either. What Americans need to understand is that governors and mayors have treated us all like slaves by showing us absolutely no respect and trampling on our constitutionally protected inalienable rights. In case you didn't realize it, an inalienable right is one you possess from the moment of your conception in your mother's womb, because God himself granted you that right. That's why it's called inalienable. So what exactly are the inalienable rights the Constitution promises to protect for all American citizens? Let's enumerate a few of them. The first thing listed in the Constitution's Bill of Rights is freedom of speech, press, assembly, and religion. There hasn't been freedom of the press in America for decades because the media lies as often as they blink their eyes. For a free press, you have to have an honest media. There's no freedom of speech anymore either. Between social media, leftist criminal statutes against so-called hate speech, and leftist radicals forcing the prohibition of any expression of the views contrary to theirs, free speech is just a happy memory in America. We had freedom of assembly and religion until two or three months ago. Governors and mayors told us we could go out and buy liquor and marijuana or that we could murder babies in the womb, but it's a punishable crime to worship Almighty God. Mayor de Blasio went so far as to say he'd permanently confiscate churches when he caught citizens worshiping in them. And we've already discussed about our nation's Catholic bishops stealing this God-given inalienable right from us. The Bill of Rights also promises that the federal government will protect our right to keep and bear arms. 
The federal government's done a pretty good job of it because we're cowardly democratic tyrants have tried to prohibit the sale of firearms and the gun stores have fought them in court. The federal government has always given its weight to the right to keep and bear arms. But you have to wonder why the tyrants want to infringe on this right. The answer's simple. There's something in our American DNA that was given to us by the Founding Fathers. It's called the love of liberty. The whole reason the Constitution specifically mentions the inalienable right to bear arms is so we can fight our own government when tyrants rule over us. The Democrat tyrants realized this, which is why they tried to shut down gun stores. But remember that Jefferson said, When tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. A true patriot will defend his country from its government. The Constitution says we have the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures, and searches and seizures can only be done with a warrant. Yet there were actually some mayors, particularly in Rhode Island, who sent police and health officials door-to-door to test and remove infected people against their will. So much for unreasonable searches and seizures. The Constitution says we have a right to due process of law. There isn't one damn lockdown measure in any city or state that's a law, yet citizens are being harassed, given citations, and even jailed on a daily basis because in some way they violate the tyrannical orders they've been told they must obey. A man was arrested for playing catch with his daughter in a park. A mom was threatened because she dared to let her child play with another child. Three women were arrested and jailed for doing private manicures in their homes. The list of Chinese communist-style tyrannies could go on and on. It's got to stop. Now! We have a right to be protected against cruel and unusual punishment, yet nearly every American has been treated both cruelly and unusually. Families have gone without food or electricity. Many, many people have died because they've been denied either necessary surgery or treatment because they were told it's non-essential. These tyrannical lockdown orders have needlessly killed people and they're destroying society. And this is a punishment on the vast majority of Americans so a tiny minority of Americans can feel or be safe. If that's not cruel and unusual, I don't know what is. I empathize with the families of those who died. Even one death is tragic. But let's consider a few numbers. The CDC now officially refutes this by nearly 50%, and the media won't report it. But let's run with the media-touted number of 70,000 coronavirus deaths. What about the 81,000 who died last year from the flu? What about the 647,000 who died from heart disease? How about the 599,000 who died from cancer? What about the 169,000 who died in accidents? Are we going to outlaw cars? What about the 146,000 who died from stroke? Have you heard anything about these things? No! There have been more than one and a half million people die from the flu, heart disease, cancer, accidents, and strokes, but we're going to lock down American society, destroy its economy, and impose tyranny on 325 million citizens because of 70,000 deaths? 
come on, where's the common sense and sense of proportion? In 1918, things were a lot different. Did the nation shut down during the Spanish flu pandemic? No. Why? First of all, Americans weren't so spoiled and cowardly. They hadn't become snowflakes yet. Secondly, government officials still respected and revered the Constitution. Thirdly, we didn't have a nanny state federal government to unconstitutionally dole out money to us. By the way, doling out money wouldn't have been necessary if the tyrannical lockdowns hadn't happened in the first place. In 1918, we not only survived, but we thrived, steering our economy into the Roaring Twenties, the greatest economy prior to Trump's pre-coronavirus economy. And our bishops were real bishops in 1918, and Catholics had far more faith in God than man. Our churches were actually crowded so full that they overflowed into the streets, I've seen pictures of grown men on their knees praying from the street in front of the church. We're a completely different nation and church from what we were 100 years ago, and I, for one, don't like what I see. Progress is good, but it often has unintended side effects. One of the bad effects of progress is that we've become a nation where too many of us have become snowflakes. The rest of us, the real Americans who love liberty and hate tyranny like you six-packers, have to stand up now and be counted. George Washington said, Occupants of public offices love power and are prone to abuse it. We've certainly seen that over the last few months. John Adams said, But a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. Well, our liberty is being lost, and we've got to stand up to protect it. I was so incredibly happy to see Shelley Luther, the defiant salon owner in Texas, stand up for liberty. She became a national symbol for liberty and against tyranny. Now it's time to seize the momentum she created with her simple act of defiance and stand up to the petty tyrants for our God-given liberty. As Thomas Jefferson said, a true patriot will defend his country from its government. What do Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. 
Here's a bit of background on the biggest complaint from young women today, how they are stressed, overworked, and underpaid, and don't have enough time with their families. Just thank feminism. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to JustTheNews.com. Elon Musk threatened to move the electric car company Tesla out of California after the state refused to allow the automaker to resume operations at its Palo Alto headquarters. Frankly, this is the final straw, Musk tweeted. Tesla will now move its headquarters and future programs to Texas or Nevada immediately. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to National Review. Senator Ben Sass has sent a letter to Attorney General Bill Barr calling on the Justice Department to conduct an investigation into Pornhub and its owner, MindGeek, for streaming videos of women and girls who have been raped and exploited. Sass wrote to Barr in his capacity as chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee's Subcommittee on Oversight. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to LifeSite News. The Archdiocese of Detroit has ordered priests to refrain from celebrating Masses in any parish church, chapel, or diocesan facility for the pro-homosexual group Dignity Detroit. That priests have to be told that at all is disgusting. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to CNS News. Hollywood star Orlando Bloom said that pornography is just so destructive. The National Center for Sexual Exploitation commended the 43-year-old star for using his influence to warn others. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. No one believes in law and order more than I do. It's impossible to have a civil society without laws, and you can't have order without police officers to enforce the laws. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to live in a country where there aren't any laws or police. Without laws and cops, anarchy would rule the day. There's also no one who loves and respects the cops more than I do. After all, I was a military police in the Army, and I chased down bail jumpers for a living for a while after the Army. I understand the importance of law enforcement as well as its inherent dangers. When I was in the Army, there were new MPs who'd transfer into the unit from time to time, usually rookies, who seemed to think they were Dirty Harry or John Wayne. They had an attitude and a chip on their shoulders. As rookies, they always had a senior patrol partner to break them in. The first thing we'd tell them is to forget everything they learned at the academy, that we were going to show them the way things were really done. We could see it in the eyes of the dirty hairy types when we'd tell them that. They thought we were going to show them how to be really tough, mean, and lord their power and authority over people. They were all disappointed when they found out we were going to teach them about restraint and service. The smart ones learned what we taught, and the dirty hairy demeanor eventually vanished. 
The stupid ones didn't last long. We found ways to get rid of them because you know what they say about one bad apple. And if we didn't get rid of them, you can bet the upper NCOs and officers did once they realized what they were dealing with. Dirty Harry is great for the movies, but real law enforcement has no place for them. It used to be the same way in police and sheriff's departments across the country, but the damn unions have made it almost impossible to get rid of the Dirty Harry type cop. The result is that there are a lot of bully cops out there. Now, I want to make it perfectly clear that most cops are good cops. I've seen far more examples of cops doing exceptional things for the citizens they serve than bad things. I've seen some things that are so extraordinary that they've actually brought tears to my eyes and made me even prouder to be an American. While this lockdown has certainly occasioned opportunities for exceptional cops to do exceptional things, the draconian measures instituted by petty tyrants has also allowed us to see the surprising number of dirty, hairy bully cops out there. Thanks to smartphones with video cameras, we've all seen episode after episode of police officers bullying and even manhandling average everyday citizens because they're somehow violating tyrannical lockdown orders. These people aren't criminals, and they're not a threat to anyone, yet the way the dirty hairy cops are treating them would make you think they're violent criminals. I've got a message for every dirty hairy cop listening to this. The American people have had enough of this tyranny. The politicians in control are either too stupid or too arrogant to realize it, but Americans are itching for a fight. Michigan isn't the only place where protesters have shown up armed with guns. Armed protesters are beginning to pop up all over the country. Unless our stupid and mediocre elected officials suddenly become enlightened from on high, very soon the American people will rebel and begin to use force to restore our liberty. The first line of defense these clueless politicians have is cops. So guess who's going to be the first to face angry armed Americans? No one wants to fire on a cop, but Americans are ready to fight for their survival. So firing on cops won't be an option. Firing on dirty, hairy cops won't cause a great deal of compunction for most angry Americans, though I suspect telling this won't change who they are. The bottom line is that all cops are at some point going to have to decide whether they're Americans or servants of tyranny. And dirty, hairy cops really need to be especially careful. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a wholly orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. 
you can advertise in each show's show notes in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. There was once a woman who constantly grumbled. She thought that her husband didn't treat her right, her children wouldn't obey, her home seemed colder in the winter and hotter in the summer than anyone else's. In fact, she thought God had given her a heavier cross than anyone she knew. Although she prayed the Our Father, she didn't live up to its spirit. Every day she prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But she didn't want to accept the cross as God's sinner. One night she dreamed that her guardian angel stood by her bed. He told her to get out of bed because he wanted to show her something. She got up and followed him down the street. The angel stopped at one of the houses and told her to look in the window. She looked through the window and saw a mother and father kneeling beside the bed of their dying child. In another home, she saw a poor blind woman sitting by an empty stove. In yet another home, she saw the father of four little children lying dead on the floor. Each of these houses were marked by a large cross on the front door. At last, they stopped at a house with a tiny cross on the door. The woman realized it was her own home. When she was tempted to grumble after that, she remembered all those who were worse off than she was. Instead of complaining, she gladly and thankfully said the Our Father, pausing at the words, Thy will be done. She said those words with all her heart because they're the most important part of the Lord's Prayer. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.